TD Auto Finance is proud to provide you with the consistent and reliable support you need to help grow your business. Contact us today at 1-855-TD-AUTO-1 to find out more about our flexible financing options that will help you meet your customers' auto financing needs. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the March 1st, 2024 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. This week, we're going to hear about the rapid advancements of artificial intelligence and how it is being harnessed to create deeper and more meaningful customer experiences in automotive retail. We'll also hear how AI can revolutionize mobility and how it will transform autonomous transportation. All that and more when we listen to an Automotive News Canada Congress fireside chat between Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy and Research Director at Borealis AI, Brian Kang, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm David Kennedy, Toronto Bureau Chief with Automotive News Canada. And uh, as Grant just introduced, I'm here with Brian Kang, uh, who's a research director with Borealis AI. Um, I'm not going to run back through your bio, um, but uh, thanks a lot for being here, Brian. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And um, as Grant just uh, sort of preempted there, uh, we're here obviously to talk about AI. Um, AI has grabbed tons of headlines over the last uh, year or so since uh, ChatGPT kind of took the world by storm there, as I'm sure you're well aware. Um, So we wanted to dive into it a little bit today uh, and discuss um, sort of how it's finding its way into all sectors of the economy, including automotive. Um, So, Brian, just to get us started here, uh, if you could, broadly speaking, um, where are we on the AI adoption curve uh, today? Uh, Are we just getting started or have we made any real headway? Uh, So, in short word, yes, we are just getting started, but maybe I can give a bit more context. Uh, To define a few different things, AI is just this broader term of just having machines do things that resemble human intelligence, planning, reasoning, understanding language. And uh, it's been around for a long time, but maybe I should take you back 10, 15 years to around 2012, where there was a seminal new technology called deep learning, which is a type of uh, machine learning. And this is primarily a type of technology that uses data to build machines that uh, can do really interesting things. And one of the really interesting things about this technology of deep learning is it turns out when we throw more data, more compute at it, it gets better. And we started seeing this trend from around you know, the early 20, 2012 or so till now. And so behind the scenes, you might have seen things like AI can start being really good at understanding images, starting really good at understanding audio, and it's just gotten better and better each year because you've just been throwing more data at it and more compute at it. Now, there was this turning point with ChatGPT that we've been seeing that we started throwing more data and basically the entire internet at it as well as all the compute uh, that we have and all the data centers that we built. And it started having these really uh, surprising emergent properties to be able to understand language, talk back to you, write your your children's essays and all those kinds of things. And so one of the things that we still don't know is that if we keep throwing more data and more compute at it, how, how far will it get? And so that is an unsolved question that we're trying to figure out right now. But I think the more exciting piece is now that we have this foundational technology, how are we going to start integrating into all the products, uh, including in the automotive industry? And I think that's also a really exciting avenue to explore. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to the automotive industry, do you find, you know, are they behind other sectors in adopting AI? Or are we, you know, kind of where we should be relative to others? 
Well, I, I, I think every industry is different, and you know, I'm sure there's a lot of constraints in terms of how the technology is adopted. But one thing that I am uh, optimistic about in the auto industry is, I think, the shift that's been happening at, you know, over the last little while towards more software. They're focusing a lot more on the software because AI essentially is uh, a primarily based on the software that you put into it. So having more focus on building those systems uh, as well as integrating some of the necessary hardware capabilities, I think you'll start seeing uh, a lot more of AI penetrate. And just to kind of name a few that, that may be obvious, you know, maybe the obvious one is just uh, autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars. Those are starting, really, that technology is really starting to mature and I think we're starting to see some interesting things there. Uh, the next one that maybe is obvious when you look at things like ChatGPT, as well as some of the ones where you can talk to computers just using your voice, I think just the interface is going to dramatically change and we're going to start seeing that. And I think we're already starting to see that. Um, and then uh, as we may talk about a little bit is beyond kind of the consumer view of things just on the business side, there's a lot uh, to do in the process automation space, supply chain that really can improve things leveraging the power of data and the power of the massive amounts of com compute that we have today. Great. Uh, sounds great. And um, so we'll definitely get to the vehicles themselves. I want, we want to make sure we get there. But uh, we're going to start with retail. I think there's a lot of retailers in the room. Uh, so just when it comes to uh, AI, as we've talked about, there's a lot of different stages of adoption that uh, companies are going through at the moment. Uh, it's a little bit tough to get a handle on what's actually in use versus what's coming. Um, so could you just tell me, you know, in the retail world, uh, in your experience, uh, what sort of AI, AI tools are, are actually in use? Yeah, I, I think it really is following this trend of just leveraging more data. And uh, one of the big places is really just understanding your customers better. So I can take you back to the early 2000s or so. We had these primitive databases where you know, people were manually entering things about their customers. And we were using that to great effect just to do more basic direct marketing. Sometimes the buzzword is like personalization. But you know, fast forward today and you look at some of the big internet tech companies, you start getting really, they start getting really, really good at being able to predict people's behaviors, understand their intent, understand their preferences, and so much so that you go on one website looking at, you know, necklaces here, and then you go on your Facebook or Instagram and you see an ad for it. And it's because they're collecting so much data and joining it or uh, uh, linking it across different data sources that they're able to predict these things. And so in the retail space, uh, not just in the automotive industry, but I imagine uh, across the sector, they're really leveraging this data, particularly because more of interactions are going online. It's just easier to collect that data and easier to understand the preferences that people have. So whether it's like spending more time browsing certain makes or models or colors, uh, having a cycle and understanding the uh, buying patterns or trying to understand when they're ready and when they're going to really pull a trigger uh, on a car. And so that really, from the business side, allows you to start marketing towards them, understanding their, what they want, when they want it, what price or offers they would want it at. And so this has really just been a trend in leveraging data better in order to better understand your customers so that you can actually um, satisfy the preferences and um, get to them at the right time. And uh, on the sort of back end of the retail world, obviously inventory management is a huge thing for dealers and you know any retailer with inventory. Um, I assume AI can probably lend some assistance on that front too. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the really uh, maybe obvious places where AI is uh, playing a big role is just demand forecasting. Understanding you know, how, how much of the search and supply you'll need, either on just an end product or even uh, upstream uh, of that. And then on the other end, uh, is really on optimizing the supply chain. So 
there's obviously, this world's gotten much more complex. There's a lot more constraints. You might uh, want some more safety buffers. And so AI is starting to be used there too to just run better optimization to take in all those constraints as well as model your backend supply chain a little bit more uh, um, holistically so that you can uh, optimize over the entire thing. Yeah. Is there an easy access point for things like this? You know, is it uh, how, do, how does somebody go about you know getting a, their toe wet in the AI world if they haven't so far? Yeah, I would say that you know realistically, you know, you're not going to probably hire PhDs like myself to come over and you know write you code. Uh, so a lot of how this gets translated down to uh, end users is through vendors, and so. It's sometimes hard to pick the right vendor because there's a lot of uh, marketing that they do in terms of claiming they use AI and whatnot. But I'd say the best thing uh, to really distribute this technology is to translate that fundamental AI into a product that actually solves your specific use case. And then I guess my recommendation there would be to do proof of concepts or some pilot trials to really understand if it is having a measurable impact on your particular KPIs, because that's something that, you know, I've been in the space of delivering AI solutions into large organizations. And it's really, at the end of the day, you care about your end impact of KPIs, revenue, conversions, or whatever the case is. So making sure that, you know, regardless of what they say they have, making sure that it actually drives those metrics for you. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and when it comes to sort of customer engagement, as we sort of glanced over there at the beginning, and lead processing, uh, obviously those are areas that uh, really matter to retailers, especially when you're retailing uh, uh, fairly expensive vehicles. Um, so, where are we headed on that front? You know, like I, what what can we expect from AI when it comes to making better use of leads and you know following up with people at the right time? Yeah, and I think it all just comes back to better leveraging of the data. And so uh, understanding, for example, all the different touch points, whether that be through your website, through social media, uh, through different um, uh, other kind of uh, the coming in, talking to a dealer, all of these different things, tracking them, and then using AI to really find the patterns of what people who are like this person generally do in this situation. And so it's never gonna tell you 100% whether the next person coming in is actually gonna buy a car, but you know, it gives you some kind of probability. It's like, well, this type of profile at this stage of their buying cycle has you know, a 60% chance of actually buying something, whereas this other lead has more of like a 10% chance. And so what you really wanna do, and hopefully again, probably through some vendors who will help you with this, is to, um, is to be able to kind of uh, rank and distribute the resources, your sales resources or your marketing resources, in order to try to, try to maximize whether that be kind of sales or conversions, uh, or even developing certain programs in, in order to kind of keep them uh, engaged so that when they're ready to make that purchasing decision, they, you're top of mind and you're more likely to get that conversion or sale. Yeah, and I assume that's kind of when the, a salesperson, for instance, can step in too. If you have that lead, uh, you know, you can kind of build it out and it might tell you when to step in. Yeah, for, uh, exactly. And, you know, these are some of the things that we're uh, doing maybe in a different area in the financial space. But, you know, some of these products are long uh, sales cycle products and you want to be able to prioritize your sales force uh, to the ones that are more, most likely doing it really leveraging all of that data that you may have in order to find the patterns so that you can rank things. And again, it's like if we rank all the potential uh, candidates you have uh, or leads you have, it's not like you'll get 100% conversion for the 100 that we give you, but 
instead of randomly picking or using your gut, AI typically will have a better conversion rate and that will help optimize that metric or that uh, sales pipeline that you might have. Right. So it's kind of a matter of augmenting you know, the human resources that you already have, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. I think especially in something as important as the, the car buying sales cycle, I imagine that uh, you will still need a human to understand, especially for those more complex cases to explain you know, some of the new technologies that are coming out and the new features that uh, get added every year. Yeah, no, sounds perfect. Um, and kind of on that in that vein, um, you know, some of what we're talking about has been, you know, uh, is entirely new to the car buying experience. You know, there's never been this level of coordination, I don't think, when it comes to some of the tools that people are using. Um, but others, you know, is being done by people at the moment. So one of the things that comes up with AI at all, all the time is job loss. Um, and you know, is that something uh, for the industry to be watching? Yeah, well, I, I think maybe I can just speak more generally to this. Is that any technology will have tr uh, any like big transformative technology will have impact on any industry and AI I think not just non-emotive but across the board will change a lot of how we're doing everything and I think that uh, it's hard to predict what's going to happen and you know if we look at past technology transformations whether that be just the, the things fundamental like electricity or uh, or just like uh, autom automobiles just in general one of the things that is very different about this transition to AI is the time scale. Those maybe have had decades to actually adjust. Now we're potentially, especially with this era of ChatGPT, things are happening every few months. And so thinking about how fast or how we're gonna transition to whatever tomorrow looks like, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And I, I don't think there's one answer of how that's gonna play out. And I don't think anyone can really predict that. But uh, all I can say is that it's, things are going to change and we're going to have to very quickly figure out how to adapt to that change. Perfect. Uh, and I want to jump to vehicles. Uh, now we can swing back to uh, retail in the Q&A probably. Um, but, uh, you know, vehicles themselves, we're seeing so much change as well, uh, as you kind of uh, hit on uh, off the bat there. Um, some of the stuff, uh, it, it really ranges, you know, from self-driving technologies uh, to more basic stuff, you know, just like a voice command telling uh, your EV to open the charging port, for instance. Um, so uh, from that sort of starting point of, you know, the, the basics of AI, um, a voice command, for instance, it's understanding and using a language model to process your, your voice. Um, how important is auto? It's, uh, how important is that as a first step? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to uh, what I was saying before that I'm optimistic about the adoption of AI in, in the auto industry because we're moving towards and understanding and valuing a lot of that, those software kind of features, which you know AI is built on top of. And uh, I think it is important to start that adoption because just in the large organizations I've seen, to do well in this space, you really need to have a focus. And if your focus is mainly just on maybe the, the hardware or the actual um, parts, you actually may not focus enough on the software. And I think we've seen different automakers uh, focusing on different parts and you know, having different uh, value propositions to the end customer. So I think some of those initial steps to start adopting, say, voice technology, um, uh, even safety technology, like detecting if you're falling asleep, I think all of those things are good steps in the right direction. And so I hope within those organizations, they're building the core competency and really raising it to a top level. That's something that they really need to pay attention to and invest in. We'll be right back after this short break. At TD Auto Finance, we recognize the importance of stability in a lender and pride ourselves in giving you the support you need to help grow your business. 
We're here for our dealers when it matters most. Our specialized sales, credit, and funding teams and competitive programs give you the flexibility you need to support your customers with their auto financing needs. Contact us today at 1-855-TD-AUTO-1 to find out more about our award-winning service, innovative products, or even how we can help you find a floor plan financing option that suits your business's needs. Welcome back to the podcast where we're hearing from research director at Borealis AI, Brian Kang. And uh, where do we head next? <laughs> that's a good question. I think one of the obvious places is really uh, the self-driving cars. I think that's what everyone is really uh, looking towards. Uh, uh, so maybe I'll list two. One is uh, obviously that, and the other one is the interface as well, like uh, I was mentioning. And so maybe I'll talk about the interface a second because that relates more to the chat GPT uh, that we've all been hearing about. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about, not just in, in the automotive context, but really with this technology, is how it's really going to change the accessibility of AI and computation for the average user. So, you know, I know how to program and how to code, and I can make all these complicated things. But when I look at someone like my mom, she really just uses basic functionality. And even on her iPhone, she's not really texting. She's just kind of talking into it so that it transcribes it for her. And I think ChatGPT is going to, and these types of technologies, to be able to convert voice and interact more naturally, not having to memorize the specific magic words to get the computer to do what you want. I think this is really going to lower the bar for accessibility so folks like my mom can actually go in and essentially reason and have the computer reason and do computations and sort of like program for her by just giving a more natural command without knowing and memorizing only magic words. And that's really what I'm excited about, just the accessibility. And I think that um, in the automotive space, of course, but also in other areas, it's really going to transform how we interact with computers. And, and it may be a very similar way of how mobile phones as a platform and a technology has really translated the way we interact with computing. Right. So obviously, ChatGPT and other models like it do a lot more than just uh, you know spitting out your kid's essay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think one of the uh, things that wasn't so obvious uh, even a few years ago was how well that they can understand language and intent and kind of the meaning behind things. And it for sure it has limitations on what it can do. It's not going to replace you or I anytime soon. However, it's just such a leap and bound above. You know, for example, things like Siri or different voice assistants we had even five or 10 years ago, which I'm sure all of you have tried and you know, has been underwhelming. But with this leap in technology, I think the hope is that it becomes much more natural. And the promise of what we were hoping all those voice assistants were 10 years ago actually comes to fruition with this new technology. Yeah, sounds great. Um, and one of the things in automotive that's a little bit different than, you know, uh, it, whether if you're talking to Siri on your phone and it doesn't get the, if it doesn't pick up your voice quite right, it doesn't really matter. In automotive, it does uh, a lot of the time. You know, safety is important to automakers. It's important to dealers. Um, so how does uh, employing AI sort of come with this added risk? Uh, can you just weigh in on how much added risk we're seeing here uh, with these technologies? Yeah, I think that, you know, with uh, just generally, if any technology comes with certain amounts of risk, and so you can't really kind of make a statement about AI so broadly about how much risk it's going to introduce. Of course, in the automotive space, risk is much more uh, important because literally people's lives could be on the line. 
And so with these kinds of technologies, I think the thing that we need to think about as a society is to make sure that we are deploying it and advancing it in a responsible way, which is something we think about very hard, for example, at the bank, because we want to make sure that we are not um, uh, putting anyone at risk or hurting anyone in the process of developing these different technologies. And so I think it's complicated and it's not, there's no kind of obvious answer about how fast we should be going, whether or not, uh, how many rules we should be breaking, and of course various manufacturers and uh, different players have been going at different paces to try to overcome this, whether that be regulators or just the general public uh, shouting out about certain areas. The one thing I'll say about this is that I'm a little bit optimistic on is that there are a lot of smart people on all sides. Of course, the people developing the technology, but there's a lot of people both on the public policy side and kind of think tanks who are also thinking very hard about how this technology is going to change society, what smart regulation should look like. And I guess the one big thing I would, I would say is that to the people involved or in the process of making these decisions to get some of these people involved in this, uh, in this conversation because, uh, I, as I mentioned, the difficult thing is just how fast this technology is moving. And so something, even if you understood state of the art and what was possible six months ago, right now things have changed so significantly that you may not have a good grasp on anymore. And so really making sure that you're involving all these experts in the conversation um, as well as the end users and, and the people who are actually going to be affected, I think is one of the key critical parts. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on that too, actually. The, in terms of uh, customers and regulators, uh, obviously having buy-in from those groups, it's, it's essential for automakers. Um, how can they kind of stay above board with everybody? You know, how do you keep consumers um, still wanting self-driving technology, for instance, and regulators allowing it to happen um, while some inevitable accidents are going to happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a very delicate dance, and I, you know, I don't claim to have the solution to any of this, but I, I think it, again, is just making sure that we're having productive conversations, that we're helping educate people on the, uh, what the technology can do, its limitations and its risks as well, and then really having conversations so that we're finding the right trade-off between uh, developing this technology really fast as well as making sure that the environment is safe. And uh, you know, there's, I don't think there's any easy answers in these really complex issues like this. But uh, again, I think the why I'm a little bit optimistic on this is really because we just have so many smart people thinking about it right now. A lot of investment going in, a lot of academia and uh, different policy uh, labs are really thinking hard about it. So I, you know, my suggestion would really just be gather more of these experts and have them help educate as well as uh, inform some of the policies and regulations that we might put in place. Perfect. Uh, and when it when it comes to autonomous technology, you know, there's AI is progressing quickly, as you've said. Is there anything really standing in the way? You know, is there an AI barrier that uh, is going to need to get jumped in order to get us to full self-driving, for instance? Yeah, this is interesting because something I've been thinking about is the pattern of technologies adopted, and AI isn't any different from this. Uh, sense and, and particularly like self-driving cars. So, you know, if you remember, say it's 10 years ago or so, I think there was a lot of hype around self-driving cars and people thought that we were going to get there in like an, another couple years. And, you know, 10 years later, yes, you can go to uh, Bay Area and Arizona and sit in a self-driving car and it'll drive you around, which is, which is amazing. It's actually beyond my expectations. But there's this usual thing where you see an amazing demo and it's 80% of the way there. And so you think the next 20% is just going to be another year away. 
when in fact there's kind of this 80-20 uh, rule where the actual last 20% is the hardest 20% and it takes you a lot longer than you think. And so I think this is what's played out in the self-driving space. There were amazing demos 10 years ago and we thought we were almost there, whereas in the last 10 years or so, they've been working through that last 20% that's been really hard. And you just take examples of going to weird environments, whether that be like Toronto with the snowy weather or even something like the Northwest Territories. Like trying to close that gap is a really hard thing. And there's been a lot of innovation, I imagine, there either from getting better and more data or to even using different techniques to adapt to those kinds of environments. And I think that's really the wall they're hitting up against. I'm in strong belief that we'll figure that out. But how fast we'll figure that out, I think, is something that remains to be seen. And my guess is it's going to be a bit longer than we uh, anticipate. If you had to put a number to it, where do you think we are? Are we, are we years away from this, or is it, are we decades? Uh, if you asked me five years ago, I would have said decades. But seeing the progress that's been had now, and as well as the investment, I'd probably say we're years away. And I, you know, my guess is, and this is not super informed, but my guess is you, know, you can go to San Francisco and Arizona and ride a self-driving car. I think we'll start seeing more and more pockets where you can do that. And then you know, gradually, it'll start covering more of the more uh, areas so that you can get self-driving cars uh, uh, across the country or most places in the country or major, major cities. And then you know, eventually, it'll start spreading. But I imagine there's always going to be some weird situations where, uh, for a long time, you won't be able to use self-driving cars. But um, hey, if you know, we could all ride one in Toronto, I'd probably be pretty happy. Yeah, fair enough. The traffic's pretty brutal, so <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, it. One of the other things that comes up with uh, autonomous technology is, um, you know, heavy trucking, for instance, is one that uh, a lot of people think will go first, uh, just because it's a little bit easier to uh, automate highway driving, for instance. Is that re a reasonable expectation that we'll find certain applications uh, to go first before, you know, every taxi cab has this? Yeah, I think so. And uh, this is just natural, like, I guess this is how the technology will develop. When we develop technology, we usually want to find the easiest use case to show value and you know, to show your investors, of course, that it's working. And so I guess what's ha been happening is just the highway driving has been a lot easier to automate. And you know, that's where we see even things in consumer products like uh, cruise control being used a lot more easily. And so I imagine that we'll start finding these pockets where it's easier to adopt, adopting in those pockets. And then around the margins, trying to figure out what the problems are and slowly expanding into other use cases uh, um, and hopefully you know, into a larger uh, area for uh, everyone to use. Great. Um, and we're going to jump to Q&A now. We've got uh, five or six minutes left. Um, so just a reminder, uh, hopefully we can put the uh, QR code back up on the screen. And uh, if you do have a question, um, punch it in, and we'll hope to get to it. Um, I'll just read these off. Forgive my poor eyesight. Um, but is AI available to all levels of dealerships or only accessible to those with deep pockets? Um, so obviously, don't, you don't need to talk about specifically dealerships. But you know, in your experience um, working in the retail world, you know, is it only those with deep pockets going after AI so far? Or is, is it applicable to all? Yeah, I would say that generally, uh the, the technology eventually gets adopted more widely uh, as you go on. And so the trend I've seen is that uh, usually this more fundamental technology will, uh, will target larger companies just because there's a bigger market there. 
And so, you know, targeting enterprise companies is a very popular business model nowadays. And so usually it will start there. But then over time, what you see, especially as the technology becomes cheaper to deploy and easier to build, is you see a lot of uh, startups or, or different ventures coming out targeting kind of smaller, medium-sized businesses. And that's where I could see it be more widely deployed. But um, if I were to guess, my guess is it will start at the high end and then start uh, as companies start coming into the space and finding different niches where they can uh, create value. Though we'll start seeing it deployed a bit more widely. Yeah, and I suspect like once once you find out uh, maybe some of the bigger dealership groups, uh, for instance, would find out what works as well, right? They'll hone their skills a little bit and uh, probably disseminate some of those learnings to others. Yeah, for sure. And I like that's actually what a lot of these young companies will do. They'll actually find uh, good strategic partners to actually help build out the product. And then once they've figured it out, then kind of sell it to uh, a larger audience once they've figured out you know, the key features that are driving the value. Perfect. Uh, just jump to the next question here. Uh, what do you recommend in terms of uh, OEM enter enterprises approach to applying AI for consumers in terms of balancing speed to market versus safety and controls? So fairly broad question, but if you could take a swing. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And again, like I, I don't work at auto manufacturers, so I, like it's hard for me to uh, comment exactly what the decisions and constraints are. But uh, just in general, I think that uh, you really need to look at uh, what your almost social contract or expectation is from your customer in order to uh, uh, deploy it. And so, for example, at the bank, we have a very trusted relationship. We have some very valuable, uh, important data about our different clients. And so we are very judicious and we do a lot of checks on the risks um, to make sure that it's not really harming our stakeholders and we're using data and AI in the proper way. I imagine in the auto industry, there's some parallels there that they want to be think very hard, especially anything related to safety. I imagine that they should be thinking really hard about that because you know literal human lives are at stake. And so uh, at, at the same time, um, uh, at the same time, like you don't want to kind of slow it to a crawl. It'll take like 10 times longer to get there. And so one of the really interesting areas in AI is not just like deploying it and you know seeing what happens. It's also on the safety side and being able to use it responsibly. And this is what I was talking about. A lot of smart people are thinking about how to actually leverage AI, not just for the end application, but also how to manage it, how to mitigate risks. Uh, and so that's one bright spot I see in this. A lot of smart people are going to it and paying attention to it. So I hope that actually helps mitigate some of the risks going forward. Perfect. And uh, just one last one here before we run out of time uh, on the regulation side, actually. Uh, do you have an opinion on the proposed AI guidelines Canada is developing? Uh, yeah, so I, I've uh, briefly looked at it and it, it's kind of been uh, uh, changing as we go along. Uh, what I'd say is that, uh, and in fact at RBC, we do talk to some of the regulars with people putting it together just to kind of advise them on some of the things and our, our opinion on like uh, how things should be regulated. I would say that uh, it's a, a tough situation because you know, as a technologist, I always want to push things forward. Um, but there's also a lot of constraints that sometimes I don't see as a technologist. And so I, it's, it's hard for me to say, and I, like, I'm not uh, quite an expert here, but what I would say is that like, what I think is positive is just the engagement that the regulators have with some of the folks uh, in the industry and, and, and more experts in the field. And I would say that probably more of that is uh, warranted <laughs> simply because 
Uh, as I said, the technology is moving so fast, and I think a lot of these regulators, as much as they uh, are trying to keep up, it's just a very difficult task for them. And so I think just more engagement with the industry and, and particular uh, experts in the, uh, academia would be really helpful there. Right. And just uh, one last aspect to the question that I could finally see. Um, in terms of uh, Canada being a leader in the AI space, um, could you just weigh in? Like, it, does Canada have a chance in, in this field? Obviously, you know, everybody, every country in the world is uh, going full bore at this at the moment. So what, what does Canada need to do uh, to keep, a, keep ahead? Yeah, something that may not be so widely known is that actually Canada is home to at least two of the people who develop this fundamental technology of deep learning, uh, Jeffrey Hinton and Yashua Bengio in Montreal. And uh, so on the academic side, we've always been very strong in the space of AI, at least for the last 10 or 15 years. And so I think we're still continuing to uh, with this lead. I think one of the troubles, this is maybe not specific to AI, but just uh, in general, is that in Canada, we have uh, are not as successful as com at commercializing some of this technology as say, you know, you know the San Francisco and, and Bay Area. And so I would say that one of the things that we can focus on to maintain our leadership uh, is to focus and uh, nurture more of our companies uh, particularly AI companies in Canada, and so to keep more of the, that technology, know-how, talent here, instead of you know fl uh, fleeing to the states and uh, making those companies stronger. So that's a hard thing to do, but that's a kind of a general direction that I would give. Excellent, sounds perfect, and uh, that takes us to the end of our time. But uh, Brian, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. I'd like to thank Brian for participating in our Automotive News Canada Congress. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glayson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.